So who was your role model growing up? Some of you feel like you're 35, you're still growing up, right? Or you're 50, you're like, oh, I'm not done. But okay, when you were younger though, who did you have in your mind? You're like, oh, I want to be like that athlete, right? That professional athlete. I want to be a great tennis player, soccer player, basketball player, lacrosse player, swimmer. Or that singer, oh, I wish I had the voice. Oh, maybe I can be like her or him. Or maybe it was a coach that was your model. Maybe it was a mom or a dad. You thought, oh, I'll never quite be who they are, but I want to keep them in view. Or maybe a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, a grandmother who lived by faith, a person who truly did follow Christ, and you thought, wow, I need to... I need to model my life after theirs. Who was it for you? Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was an employer. You know, these days it's hard to find models that are living in a way that everyone would kind of jointly say, yeah, I respect that. I respect their honesty and their integrity in the workplace. I respect the way they treat their husband or their wife. I respect their parenting. I respect their, the way they handle their money. I, I, I respect their faith. They're not perfect, but boy, they keep coming back to the center, and that's Christ and honoring him. We need models. And you know, too, we need to be a model. We need to remember that. We're models. People are looking at us. What are they seeing? Are we worthy of being followed in any way? You know, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as he follows, as he follows Christ. Can we say that? Follow me as I follow Christ. But this morning is all about Jesus is our model. And you know, in the series called Jesus is our everything, we looked at his good shepherding. We looked at... The fact that he is our rest and he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest, rest for your soul. And, you know, we talked this morning about Jesus being our model, that there's a shaping that goes on with the Father in heaven to conform us to the image of Christ, that he's got a work in mind for you and me. It's very special and it's very daily. And in fact, it's very, very intimate because it's at a heart level. And we're going to look at the fact that God calls himself the potter, that he's shaping us into the image of Christ, and then lastly, that he wants to make us a vessel of honor that he can flow through, that his Holy Spirit can fill, that you'd be a vessel of honor to bless others. So that's where we're going. Pretty simple, but these verses are so powerful. So we're going to start uh, in Isaiah. We're going to be jumping around a bit, but all these verses are on the screen, so don't worry if you can't stay with me. Uh, and also, the discussion guide with all these verses is now coming to you on your phones or on your desktops uh, through our e-bullets, and you can just click and get the discussion guide with all the verses as well. God is the potter, we are the clay. Isaiah 64.8 says, but now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay. You are our potter, we are the work of your hand. It's an incredible thought to think of the great cosmic designer the architect of the universe, the one and only true creator God formed you and me in his very own image. He created this world from the galaxies to the grasshoppers, everything grand and huge and that blows our mind to the microscopic little insects and creatures, the grasshoppers, the goldfish, the dog or the cat that you love. You go, wow, he's an amazing God. He's so intricate. He creates things in such complexity. There's no one close to even who God is. He displays his goodness, his power, his character. And then we look at one another and we go, we're called the crown of his creation. You're the crown of his creation. 
You're the best of his creation. I know you wish you were a little taller, skinnier, faster, smarter, funny. You're the crown, though. You're the best of the best. He put his imprint on you. He put his Holy Spirit to live in you. And he calls you his son and his daughter, and you're a brother, your brother in Christ. Pretty amazing, right? He shaped you in your mother's womb before you were a thought even in your mother and father's mind. He created you and had a plan for you before the foundation of the world. So he shaped you in your mother's womb. He breathed life into you at birth so that you would have life to be able to walk around this planet and enjoy his creation and enjoy one another, the crown of his creation. And then that day that you understood that God loved you, but there was a sin issue and you gave your life to Christ and he forgave you, then he put his Holy Spirit in you and did a deep work in you. And it started when you gave your life to Christ. It continued at that spiritual birth. And then he says, now every day I want to shape you. I'm going to do something unique in your life every day to shape you and give you greater purpose and greater beauty. How often do you reflect on those kinds of facts from Scripture? That you think, I have a God who keeps the galaxies in motion and keeps my body functioning this moment as I think and breathe and sit here and scratch my arm. He's given me this life. He's keeping the miracle of my body and the miracle of his creation, which is so vast, in perfect balance and moving according to his perfect will. But then he got real personal and said, I will come to live in you and I'll give my son to be your savior and your brother. And I want to mold you now and be involved in your life, your decisions, your motivations, your hurts, your pains, your fears. I have a plan for all of those and I'll use those and I'll shape those because I'm up to something beautiful in you and through you. It's a pretty crazy thought. I guarantee you, you think like that on any given day, it will change your perspective, your worldview. It kind of frames the way you're going to go about your day. I have a heavenly father looking down at me who's never, ever taken his eyes off of me. Whether my eyes were on him for years or when I wandered, he has never forgotten you, never taken his eyes off of you, ever for one second. And some of you know that in the, the core of your being. God has always been with me, even when I didn't know him. Even when I knew him and I didn't care about him. Even when I know he saved me and I still went my own way, he's always been this caring, good shepherd. A heavenly father looking out for me. And then I think, yeah, he's always wanted to shape me and he is shaping me. He's that intimate, that involved. We don't have to ever give God a newsflash. He knows it from the end of the beginning. He knows your whole life right now. That's the craziest thing. I was talking to Julie about that. You know, we're in the midst of it. We're trying to figure out living by faith. We don't live by sight. We don't know the end. We know in Christ where we're headed. We don't know how we're going to get there other than by his strength. We don't know we're going to marry this person. Is this job going to go? How's that going to work out? This kid, that kid, you know, this and that. Things in the world. When's Christ returning? We don't know. We live by faith. God sees the whole thing right now, all at the same time. He's not freaked out by what's going on in the world. He's not freaked out by your temper tantrums or mine. He's not freaked out. He's not fearful. Nothing's going to throw his will or his plan off one iota. He can see your whole life before you were created. Remember, he's the one that created you in your mother's womb way back. And now he sees you right now and he sees the end. He sees it all. And he says, oh, I'm shaping you. And in fact, I have shaped you. In fact, I look down at you. Yeah, and I see the way you see 
where you are and you're not all like Christ right now, but I also see the fact you're complete in Christ. I'm sanctifying you, but you're already glorified and righteous. So I see where you are and I see the end and you're going to be great. <laughs> it's awesome. It's already done in his mind. We get to live out the adventure because we're still in this body. We're still on this earth. One day our sight or our faith will be turned to sight. God is working in you and in me, and he always is shaping circumstances and events to bring his blessing about, always. Philippians 2, 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. That should shake us up a little bit. It should get our heart's attention. God's working in me. These aren't like cool spiritual thoughts. This is a reality. He's telling me his spirit lives in me. He's working in me. And he says both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's pleasurable to God to work in his kids and to grow them up. Just like parents find pleasure when their kids grow up, right? When they do the right thing, and they could do the wrong thing, and a lot of times they do the wrong thing, when they do the right thing, there's pleasure. Man, not only do the right thing, they help someone else do the right thing. Not only are they receiving God's love, they're actually loving others. Like they're standing for Christ in some area, and you're just like, wow, it brings pleasure. Well, that's how God feels when he looks down on us, and we just say like, yeah, Lord, we know you're working. Sorry, I'm not always on board with that. <laughs> he goes, I know, love you still. Let's keep working. What he works in, he wants you to work out. And you do it with that awe, that respect, that fear, and that trembling because God is a holy, awesome God. He is the great I am, and he's your dad. That should really humble you in a great, awesome way. Because when you are humble before the great and mighty God, he said he will lift you up personally. Do you need his lifting? You need his lifting, you do the humbling, he does the lifting. It's great. You say, you're the great I am, and you're working in my life. I want to work with you, Lord, as you're working in me. I want to work out what you're working in. Keep transforming me. Keep shaking me. Keep shaping me. And then we get to pass it on. He's the potter. We're the clay. Secondly, God uses all things to shape us into the image of Christ. God uses what? All. <laughs> The dark times, the hard times, the dark threads, the light threads, the awesome victories, the great celebrations, the birth, the wedding, the parties, the promotions, the personal best on the track, the whatever it is, those times, the hard times, the failure, you tripped, you didn't get the winning goal, you didn't get the promotion, you messed up at work, you messed up at home, you said something you shouldn't, you thought something you shouldn't, you did something you shouldn't. He's gonna use all things. Am I making that up? Not according to the Bible, God's word, Romans 8, 28, 29. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. A lot of us knew or know verse 28, but did you know that the good that God's aiming at, the, the target of all the good, the bad, the ugly, the awesome, the not so awesome stuff in your life. He's molding, he's shaping, he's pointing you, he's taking you to a goal. He's got a target for all of that. He's not gonna waste your pain or your victories. He's taking you somewhere with all of that. 
Even right now when you're just like, oh, but it's so hard. This is scaring me or I feel out of control or I'm still struggling here. He's going to use it all. He's with you in it. He's the one in the fire. He's going to take you through. He never leaves you or forsakes you. And he's taking you toward the image of his son to be conformed to the image of his very own son. So we know God loves us, right? We can be assured then that every event in our life will be used for good. If he's that intimately acquainted with all our ways, with every circumstance, if he knows every challenge you're facing, every trial or temptation far better than you do, we can trust him. If we can't trace his hand, you've heard this maybe before, if you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. You can't figure out how you're going to get there, how that's going to be solved. Oh, it's just a, man, it creates so much tension in me or with us or our family. You can just release him and trust the Heavenly Father who's shaping and directing and using and guiding. You can be more at peace and enjoy the ride. It's not just the destination, it's also the process toward Christ-likeness. God will orchestrate all those events in your life with his higher ways and his higher thoughts. Isaiah 55 says that. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Aren't you glad about that? (laughs) What if God ran the universe through your brain? Would it be a mess? Okay. So aren't you glad that his ways are so far beyond our ways? We really can't even understand. We can see glimpses. We can get a little bit of the picture, but sometimes we're absolutely baffled because his ways are so much higher than ours. He's the great I am. He runs the universe. I don't understand how he made a cell. How about you? I don't know how he keeps all those cells in order in my body and the blood cells doing their thing and the nerve cells doing their thing. And do they talk? Do they have meetings? I'm not sure they have a boardroom. How do they all know what they're doing all the time and I keep going? How about you? How about the miracle of the galaxies and all the elements? Talk to Ralph Shirley if you want to get into the elements and the chemistry at all. He loves it. Is he here? He loves that stuff. You just go like, yeah, Lord, your ways and your thoughts, you are the great I am. I can't exaggerate you in any way. You're so much greater than I could ever think. You're so much more loving than I could ever imagine or experience. Your grace is beyond what I've ever seen displayed in this world. And it's been awesome, but it's beyond that. One day we get to see him face to face and we'll understand more, but we can live the adventure of getting to know him. So he'll take those dark, difficult events in your life. He'll redeem them for his glory. Some of you feel held back by a wound of an event in your past. Like it just happened yesterday. You can relive it. You can remember what was said or what was done. Maybe it was your sin that really affected you or it was a sin of someone else. You feel like it's marked you. It's holding you back. It's a definition of who you are. It's not. Christ said he'll use all things for good, even those evil things. You know, in Job, what the enemy planned for evil, God will use for good. God will turn it. God will transform it. He will not waste your pain. And he doesn't want you living in your pain any longer. That should be the best news you had no idea you were going to hear today. Because everyone's got pain or a wound or 
harsh words or someone doesn't believe in you or someone didn't love you or you, you didn't feel the love or you didn't have the opportunity or you had the dream and it went crashing down or you had the job and you lost it or you got the promotion just to realize you're traveling more and it's messing up your family and you're just, there's something that's wounded, holding you back, still hurting. Aren't you glad that the Lord's not wasting that? Now, I, I get the whole, I don't want any of that. Well, me neither. In heaven, that's our reality. We don't get that. We don't have that anymore. That's all behind us. But on this pilgrimage on this earth until we're finally home, the good and the bad come together. But we have an overcomer in Christ and he will not waste your pain and he will bring healing. And the Lord wants to bring healing to many of you on an emotional or physical level today. You just have to ask him. You have to actually be willing to not be defined by it any longer. You have to not allow the enemy to keep it shackled to you. You have the keys and the truth. I'm sharing it with you today to unlock the shackles of the, the weights and the wounds that have held you back. That is not you any longer. Amen? You're a new creation in Christ. He's not going to waste it, but you're not defined by it. He's going to make something beautiful out of it. He's going to turn those ashes to beauty. You thought you'd be stuck with him for your whole life. You thought you'd have to keep apologizing to God and keep saying you're sorry. You don't. You thought that that's just going to mark you. You're going to always be less than. You're going to be limited. No, you're not. In fact, when he uses that for his glory, now it creates a wonderful culture, a wonderful opportunity in the Lord to minister to others. Because you get it. You understand pain, but you understand the redemptive healing of Christ. You've experienced it in your heart. It doesn't hold you back. In fact, it will propel you forward. Some of you are being plagued by an abortion that you've had in the past or an affair that you've had or someone's done something to you. And it's just, it's, you can't get away from it and you wish you could. You can in Christ. And he will use it. Remember, we've had testimonies like that, how the Lord has used the hardest things in the most beautiful ways. Isaiah 61 says, to grant those who mourn in Zion. He's talking about the people of God. That's a term, Zion, you know, the people of God, the city of God. To give them, the people of God, a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. How many of you would like to live with a beautiful headdress, oil of gladness being poured over your life, dressed in the garment of praise? Have any takers on that? But how many of you feel trapped in sadness or fainting? Fainting emotionally, fainting physically, fainting even spiritually. You feel dry and you, you need the oil of his gladness to lift you. You're, you could be bitter. You could be sad. You could be just discouraged by life. It's hard. Or what happens in Paris is weighs on you just like the Lord can lift you. He can pour his glad oil over you. And he says the ashes, you know, when people were humbling themselves before God. It was a, just a tradition to get ashes and it was a part of humbling yourself before God and pouring, putting them on your head and they covered you, right? You were humbling yourself like in the dust and just putting the ashes and, and you know, they often wore sackcloth and they just, it was their way of crying out and being as sincere as possible. God, I'm a sinner. Save me. Redeem me. Turn it around, Lord. Forgive me. We don't see that much these days, but what God said is, I'm going to give you a beautiful headdress instead of the ashes you're going to have a beautiful headdress. Flowers that will encircle you. Not thorns, but flowers. Beauty. Maybe it's out of beautiful cloth and twisted purple and 
gold. I don't know what's the headdress that would be most beautiful to you. The Lord says you get to wear it. You get to have his oil of gladness cover the dryness of your heart or your spirit. And you get to be clothed in the garments of his praise. No more ashes, mourning, fainting, dryness, distance from God. He calls you to know him and to let him minister to you and shape you and bring healing where you're hurting. Boy, do we need that in this culture. To know his presence, to feel the touch of his love and his forgiveness, to know we're not alone, to know he holds the future and when we can't figure it out and we're going moment by moment and we're about ready to blow our top at somebody or we're just so freaked out, frustrated, tired, worn out, all that. And he says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest, a headdress, gladness, new clothes of praise. God, the founder and perfecter of our faith, according to Hebrews 12, he knows how to work miracles. He knows how to do 180s in your life. He allows U-turns. Aren't you glad about that? Man, I was heading down the wrong road, and the Lord just reminded me, whoop, and you do a U-turn. Like, wow, could have been a cliff out there. The Lord brought you back. He allows you to change your mind and return to him, and then he does a complete transformation. Remember, he calls you a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God's created us in his image, but we know we've stained and smudged that image, right? Through our sin. We've done that in our life. We gave ourselves to Christ and he's forgiven us. But then our sin still comes and it kind of stains the image of what he's doing in our life. And he comes, <laughs> he comes and he shh, shh, wipes it off, makes it clean again. You get the U-turn, you get the redo, you get the transforming love of God. It's the reshaping that you need. And he says it's available for you all the time. You're a new creation, and I'm continuing to do something new. I had to clean up your heart and give you a new heart at the beginning. Spiritual birth. That's when you put your faith in Christ. But you need the newness and the new creating work of God as you go. Until one day it's complete, you're in the image of Christ as Christ returns. Pretty awesome. And he does it so compassionately. Remember a couple weeks ago, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. And he says, you learn from me. You take my yoke on you. It's easy. My burden's light. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. It's another way of saying compassionate. Psalm 103 says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. How often are you glad that he remembers you haven't arrived yet? Anyone? <laughs> that God loves you when you know you're wearing the sign that says under construction. He's at work, but he loves you the whole way through. He's doing something beautiful. He's replacing the asses with beauty. He's shaping you. He's compassionate. He remembers your weak frame. He remembers your dust. Remember, he formed us out of dust and then breathed the spirit in us. 
but he remembers our weakness and he doesn't beat us up for it. He welcomes us to find our strength in him. So the question is, are you soft and pliable in the Lord's loving hands, in the potter's hands? Do you want to be? You know, when a potter throws the clay on the wheel and he starts doing his work, that lump of clay is going to be something beautiful, but it needs some water, right? His hands, the water of the word poured out over the clay, and then the shaping begins. And that water of the word gets washed over our heart and our mind every day that we're in his word, and we need to be every day. Just spend a few minutes just studying, receiving the promises, doing that with a spouse, a friend, in a life group, just the washing of the water of the word as he continues to form you and do something new in you. It's a beautiful process and it's a beautiful finish. And he's taking us to the image of Christ. You might have noticed something over here, right? It's pretty cool, right? My son Tyler made that and I, I think we decided that was a senior in high school or somewhere in there. And uh, he said he thought we'd like it. So he made it with love in mind. He was looking at what he thought we would enjoy. That he creates something that we would love and want to display. And boy, we have that in a prominent place when you walk in our front door. And it came through his love and our relationship to be just a reminder that he loves us and thought we'd love something like that. And we do. It's a beautiful vase. You can fill it with flowers, but Christ will always be at the center of all those beautiful things he's created. All the beauty of the bouquet that God creates in our lives. He's a loving God and he keeps shaping us. He wants to shape you and create something beautiful in you. You may not feel real beautiful right now, or you may just say, I know there's some beautiful parts, but boy, there's some hard parts they got some rough edges. Nothing that the water of the word and the loving hands of the potter can't fix, right? Will you let them? That's the question. Are you holding on to the hardness, the wound, the words of someone that hurt you? Or can you just release that? Or the sin you hold on to, he says, he's got a better way. You got to trust me, though. Give that up to me. Let go of that. And then it's softness and it's permission for the potter to reshape that. That really hard, pointy edge, that's not good for you. <laughs> it doesn't work in relationships. The sharp, pointy edge hurts others too. So God wants to reshape. He wants to bring water and, and shaping to that so it's smooth and it's enjoyable and it's beautiful to him. And you become an honor, a vessel of honor that brings blessing. And that's our third point. God shapes us into honorable vessels of blessing. Romans 9, 21 says, Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? God is the potter. He's the one who decides. He created the clay and now he's shaping the clay. And you know, back then especially, they were making vessels for kind of dirty things in the house that needed to be done, but also honorable vessels that could be used for beautiful things, for serving food, for displaying the beauty of an artist for beautifying a home so that relationships could flourish and be enjoyed in the house. God's the one that decides, and he wants to know if we'll decide we want to be honorable too. He will not force his shaping on you. You walk off the wheel, 
as the clay. He loves you and he'll never lose track of you and he's watching over you. You'll end up getting beat up by life unnecessarily, by yourself or others. You'll take some shots. The clay will absorb those and they may go deep. But the day you return to him and you say, I'm back on the wheel, Lord. Thanks for your love and forgiveness. You welcomed me back. You didn't beat me up on the way back. You welcomed me. He shapes you. He pours his water on you. You just have to decide, Lord, help me to stay soft in your hands. I want to be good clay. And he makes something beautiful, even out of the hardest things in life, the most difficult circumstances, maybe things that might never go away, he can still bring beauty from. He'll use all things for good. Let me ask you a question. Do you have one primary goal in your life? Do you have one main motivation under which everything else in your life has to line up? One main goal, one main motivation. Do you have something like that? Some people would say, American dream. Got to go get everything I can get for me and mine. That's it. Dog eat dog. Got to look out for myself, my own. No one else will. So I'm going to get about as much money as I can possibly get through my job. And if I'm not going to get a whole bunch there, I'm going to switch jobs and I'm going to just go after it. Is that your goal and motivation in life? Jesus said that's very typical. People either choose God or money. It's not the only thing they choose. Sometimes they choose sex and pleasure and just selfishness. And they want to control their own life. They don't want to have to answer to God. Or you might say, no, I want my number one goal, agenda, motivation, above it all. Above my work, above my relationship, above my marriage, above it all is I want to glorify God. I want to know him and love him and enjoy him forever. I want to be about glorifying God. I want to glorify him in my marriage because he said I'll have more blessing that way. I want to glorify him with my kids because he said he'll work in and through me if I do that. I want to have integrity and honesty and truthfulness at work because those are God's ways. He'll honor that. I want to glorify God in my work. I want to glorify God in my marriage. I want to glorify God in my private time. I want to glorify God in my words, in my thoughts, in my actions. I want to glorify God. I want to enjoy him. He said I can delight in him and he'll be released to do wonderful things in my life like I can't even imagine. I said that at a wedding yesterday. That what God has planned for those who love him, our minds can't conceive of, our eyes haven't seen, our ears haven't heard what God has planned for those who love him. Do you love him? You'd say, well, yeah, but not perfectly. Okay, that's a good start. <laughs> Same with me. Sure, we love him. We're his. The relationship's set for eternity. You're his child. That will never change. And then if you say, Lord, that's the banner I want to live under, to glorify you, to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything else lines up under that. And then I love my neighbors, I love myself. That'll be your greatest fulfillment when you say, Lord, make me an honorable vessel, fill me with your Holy Spirit, pour through my life, into my life with your love, and then through my life with your love to others. John Piper put it this way. He said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Have you heard it before? Some of you are nodding. God's most glorified in us. He's like happy. He's digging it. He's doing happy dance in heaven. And that'll be loud. It'll probably sound like thunder and lightning. When we're most satisfied in him, not money, not sex, not this acquire, acquiring whatever, not prestige or power or whatever we want to grab onto that somehow we think fills our heart. It actually doesn't. It deadens our heart and hardens our heart. There's no life found in those things. And they'll rip you off. 
and Satan will use them against you. But when it's Jesus, you being glorified and honored in my life, then he brings his blessing and he brings the water of his word and he brings his beauty into our life and through our life. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And he said what he started in us, he's going to finish. Look at this. It'll be our last promise as we look at Philippians 1.6 this morning. The Apostle Paul said this to those dear believers in Philippi and to us today. God is speaking to you. Remember this truth. I am sure of this, that who began, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's his promise and his guarantee if you're in Christ, if you're a son or a daughter in Christ, he started a work in you. He sees the finish line in the end. He's taking you toward the image of Christ and he guarantees he will finish the job. Take a deep breath and a sigh of relief. You're not going to so blow it that God stops loving you. That's not possible. You cannot so blow it and so run from God he will align circumstances and people that know where you're headed that you think you need to run to. There'll be people out there waiting that will return you back to Christ. His Holy Spirit keeps track of you. The shepherd knows where his lost and wandering sheep are. He'll bring you back. When you even realize that, you go, yeah, why would I want to wander anyway? What's out there that I'm not going to get in Christ? Jesus is my everything. He promises to provide all I need. He will finish what he started in you. He will make something beautiful out of your life. He will bring more and more beauty in and through your life as he continues to shape you. Because remember, he's the great I am and he's the potter. You're his very precious clay. You're his son, you're his daughter. Nothing's going to throw off his plan or ever can for what he wants to do in you and then through you. He makes beautiful things.